0: Are you working? What kind of work do you do?
1: Alrighty, we're here on the Midweek Podcast, and uh, right now we're going to be talking a little bit about week number one of college baseball, so glad you guys are with us, it's been, what, a week or two since we've had an episode, so um, we're really excited to be back, and we're really looking forward to breaking down the first week, and if you're a newcomer to the show, um, we'll tell you the format, winners, losers, weekend rotation, and a series to watch, this is the third year we've used this format, it's proven to have a lot of success, And um, we hope that you guys can enjoy that with us. And with that being said, Charlie, um, anything else that you want to add about that? A little housekeeping as we begin season three, at least of the in season portion of this, this thing. Uh,
0: I don't know. It's uh, those two weeks though. You mentioned that we weren't on felt like about three months. So I'm glad to be hopped back on the mic and I'm glad, I'm just glad college baseball is back. Well, it felt way better than I thought it would to uh, just sit down Friday through Sunday and just watch some ball.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, with 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 things being back, I mean, there was a lot to like, and this is kind of the segue of getting into it, so to speak, from a podcast perspective. And when we look at it at this end of the spectrum and start with winners, uh, my first winner from this past weekend, Charlie, is Duke. Uh, that's they. True they were the most impressive team in the country in my opinion over this past weekend um they go 3 and 0 they hit 16 home runs as a team
0: yeah
1: um they they tore the cover off the baseball and i think that i can say with a lot of confidence that both of us uh, w- were fairly impressed i mean sure they dismantled George Mason 23 to 5 but they beat Coastal they beat Indiana and they had a great start to the year um i th- i think that this is a team um you look at what they could potentially do in ACC play obviously wake is that team that is above everybody else but I really like what Jonathan Santucci can do. He fits the mold as an ace of a staff and went five shutout innings. That's what you need. You need a bulldog in this conference in that tough ACC. And certainly, man, Duke impressed with the bats. And that is why I'm very excited about this group. They've got a lot of talent, and they're my number one winner.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, Will. They are also a winner as mine as well. So I guess I'll start there with Duke um things that impressed me obviously like you had just said jonathan santucci was absolutely outstanding Um, uh, a guy i do want to highlight too though because he is a transfer i believe from harvard logan bravo was tremendous over the weekend he did hit 467 with a 1200 ops with i think well has got home where he's already got seven hits on the year and 15 at bats that plays uh the thing that really impressed me the most about duke was obviously mean, it was a tough weekend for george mason um and, you know, we're friends with Coach Sean Camp. I do think George Mason's actually a pretty good spot. I don't think last weekend was very indicative of how the season will go or the squad that they have over there at George Mason. But the fact that you could torch a team like George Mason while also having some adversity and playing close games against really good squads in Indiana and Coastal Carolina, and then the Coastal Carolina in their own home stadium too on Sunday there. Um, or um, Yeah, Sunday. is really impressive to me because that already shows me a little bit that this team is – I'm not going to say battle-tested because it's week one, so it's really hard to say. You've been through a whole lot of battles. But the fact that they've already blown a team out and then also faced a little bit of um, pushback in the middle of games and be able to stay, stay the course and then figure it out from there and still get the W is very impressive.
1: Right. So Duke is a winner for you. Yes. Duke is a winner for me. Typically, we are uh... – on different pages or at least we try to hit different pages because that's just the nature of the beast. There's a lot going oh, on, yeah. but I don't know, man. It's just, I, and that feels like probably the mainstream pick. I think anybody that really covered or followed college baseball loosely, like it's easy to be impressed with what they did, dismantling one opponent and then beating two close opponents, like you mentioned, but beating two opponents that are pretty good, but in a close fashion. So Um, my next winner is Oregon state, Charlie, and I put them in the same breath as Duke. Um, I, I, tend to gravitate towards some teams and I'm gravitating towards Oregon state this year, not because I'm going to be a Homer just because I'm, I'm believing in them. You know, I'm not saying I'm a fan of their team, but I am a fan of watching good baseball and damn it. They bring a lot of good baseball to the table. Um, just in the same breath as Duke. I came out of this weekend, I think going into the year, yeah, Wake Forest, and I mentioned it on our preseason pod, definitely a little bit of TCU in terms of my favorites for Omaha and beyond in terms of winning it all. Duke and Oregon State are teams I I fully expect to get to Omaha. I know that's maybe a little too way overreaction for you after week one, but Oregon State – They may have the best player in the country in Bazana. He went 9 of 16 with three home runs over the opening weekend. I mean, that dude is, I mean, he truly could be one of the best players in the entire nation. And it's not just him. You know what I'm saying? Like They've got a lineup. And Oregon State, man, they impressed to the nth degree as well. In the same breath as Duke, not just from the... Okay, you were impressive. You had a great weekend, but they did it in the same way. Both yeah. teams absolutely raked. Right. I mean, Oregon State, yeah, Bazana goes five sixty three. They hit three fifty one as a team and hit fourteen home runs in four games. In four games, oh, yeah. they they launch fourteen home runs and score forty two runs. So again, just dismantling their opponents and. Uh, They look to be a force in the back 12. They're going to be a big one, I think. So uh, looking forward to seeing what they can do moving forward. Obviously, they've got Texas Tech and Arkansas coming up soon. So that's going to be a lot of fun to
0: watch. Yeah, I mean, it will be for sure. Uh, Travis Bazzano, like you said, Will, is a superstar. Uh, Definitely is in – I don't think he probably will go first overall, but it's certainly in that conversation at this point in the year and just how the draft cycle kind of works. But to get off of him, I think some of the more impressive things too bad is they've, they lost two minutes for the year. So that, that already was going to be a hiccup and they looked great. Nonetheless, uh, Trent Caraway looked fantastic off the gate as a true freshman. I'm very excited about not only what he can do this year, but if that's, if, this, if he's going to play anything like this in the future, I mean, we might have uh, Travis's uh, replacement as the uh, the leader of the Oregon State superstardom club with Trent Caraway, but also Guerrero is very good. Overall, like Oregon State, like we kind of knew they're going to be good already, but like once the season starts, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, look at previous examples of like Ole Miss and Mississippi State, where like you win it ch- not not that Oregon State won a championship recently, but um, the fact is when you have all these high expectations, it does that always mean you're going to reach them? And it was very encouraging to see them do that early, early on, and kind of quell some of those worries. And especially if they can get those two good wins, as Arkansas, who's the other one? Will
1: so they're in Arlington this yeah. week. Um, they take on uh, Texas Tech which episode. that will be probably as people are listening to this, they'll be getting ready for that game because that's 10 a.m. Wednesday. um, okay. And then Dang, they, that's a
0: crazy time.
1: Yeah. And then they take on Arkansas 5 p.m. Friday. That'll be an absolute primetime battle because that Wednesday matchup, you're not going to get ace versus ace, but yeah. Friday, you're going to get Oregon state one versus Arkansas one, two uh, favorites for Omaha and just from the odds makers, then they got Michigan on Saturday. Then they have Oklahoma State Sunday. So this is all really good teams at Globe Life Field this weekend. It'll be a lot of fun, and it starts again on Wednesday, which is obviously today for all intensive
0: purposes for y'all. So if I mean if they come away with if they finish over five hundred over this weekend, like that's a that's a pretty big, it's a pretty great way to start the year if you're Oregon State. But yeah, I, just, I think I would think they I mean with
1: how good I think they are, I think anything three and one, yeah. I mean, I'm yeah, thinking you gotta place. go you gotta go three and one, which will be tough, but I think that's the standard. I mean, they go four and zero opening weekend, they beat Minnesota twice. I think they should beat Texas Tech um on the midweek. I think Think they should beat Arkansas? That's the one I don't know. That's a toss-up. I think you should beat Michigan. Oklahoma State yeah. could be a banger because you're on your fourth game of the weekend, yeah, both teams. True. So that Sunday could be – I mean, you remember, I remember Mizzou and kind of impressed last year in Arlington a little bit. Um, so you never know when you get those four-game sets and you start on a Wednesday, but – yeah, I'm with you, man. I think uh, it, it's definitely an opportunity. I think if they beat Arkansas too, I think we're kind of a week ahead talking about Oregon State, but more yeah. people will be like, hey, Oregon State. But no, you should. And the thing with that is they're going to go on an absolute run. They have a week schedule after this week. So I think uh, this could this could uh, propel them forward. But enough said. How about my third winner, Charlie? Or do you have another two?
0: I, saw, I haven't said my second winner yet, Will. Well, you said Duke, though. Oh. Oh, no, that was my I first died. one. That was my first. You said two. Um, uh, yeah. okay. okay. jumped the gun. No, it's okay. So That's like... hey, that means just we're in full season form already. Or <laughs> mid season, if we're not full season. Um, but anyways, well, you mentioned going on runs, and there were a lot of runs scored in this first game for my next winner. Not for them, but against them. I'm talking about a team we talk about here quite often on the midweek podcast, and that would be the Campbell Camels, who are my second winner of the week. Because well, I'll be honest. Seeing that Friday score of twenty to eight in the loss column against UC, a very, very, very good UC Santa Barbara team who you and I are both very high on, especially that pitching staff. Um, I was like, oh shit, this is not a great look for Campbell. We're gonna see what happens with this, but, but to the Campbell's credit, and I can't believe I doubted Justin Hare and Co. They won the, they won Saturday and Friday or Saturday and Sunday, excuse me end up winning the series against number 17 UC Santa Barbara. And as we speak, well, they're gearing up to play number 11 ECU right now. So, I mean, if they get the ECU, and this might be another one of those Campbell teams that comes into the year as usually underrated, proves once again that Campbell's here, and especially doing a new conference in the CAA, which is going to be a really fun race this year with them, um, Wilmington, and um, Northeastern as well. There's a lot of good ball for them to be playing. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they did so well and it kind of uh i would, I would say exceeded expectations from the national media's perspective i think that's a fair thing to say given that they've lost some legit superstars over the last two years now but i think that's also really impressive well before we move on to the next um your next your last winner is they did all of this in the campbell's best player Lawson harrell hit 143 over that weekend i think that's very impressive but the fact that like that's the beauty of campbell is where in the past, if Zach Netto didn't have a good game, you know, or someone like that didn't have a good game, there's always the next guy, next guy up kind of mentality. and There's always somebody to pick up the slack that was dropped off by the, the star player or perceived star player from Campbell. So that's the thing I always love about Campbell is they just keep producing these bats. And it, I feel like it's just never going to end.
1: I mean, I remember watching, I think I brought it up last year, but they were the number one offense in the country for most of last year in terms of runs scored yeah. average. and, now they're in a more competitive league, and and I'm with you, man. I just don't know why they continue to get – it's because they're – it's kind of what brought them into the limelight with Zach a few years back where the nobodies yeah. from nowhere, and it's just kind of frustrating how um they don't get really respected. I think it's maybe a little bit more respect. Everybody's starting to recognize, hey, this is a great program. They've been doing great things for a while But it also feels like they have, and maybe that's just the nature of it, they have to prove themselves every year. Like, for example, and and there's just no hate on Vanderbilt. Like, a team like Vanderbilt doesn't have to prove themselves. You know, they can drop a series, they'll be ranked, they're they're fine. Um, But, and that's just an example. Obviously, they didn't do that this weekend. But with them, it just feels like, They have to prove themselves, but it's also part of their identity, like the chip on your shoulderness of Campbell. So to go play a nationally ranked team and take two or three against UC Santa Barbara, I mean, it shows, it shows what they want to do. And it shows that, Hey, they play a tough schedule every year and they have to because for so long their conference was horrible and they're in a much better league this year. They're in a much better league. I think that's going to help maybe their respect. Obviously, it's going to definitely see, be a bigger challenge, but I'm really intrigued to see how they do in a new league this year
0: as well. So, yeah, it's ex- exciting times, dude. And just it's kind of like, you, like I like that you said the fact that Campbell always does have to prove themselves because they're a small school and. Hopefully that'll change now that they're in the CAA, So maybe we'll stabilize a little more in the future, assuming they pr- continue to do what they do. Which I think, yeah. you know, I, I when you have a guy, when you have a guy like Justin Harry who's already ingrained such a culture into that program, he's been there for so many years. It's kind of like it, I do feel like to an extent it kind of becomes a um, a factory in its own way. And you know, like you yeah, obviously I have to keep maintenance and keep everything up, but I imagine it's a little easier once you have the kind of continuity of a whole program like that.
1: Yeah, and let's be honest. I mean, they're still going to have to prove themselves in the CAA. Yeah. I mean, Northeastern. I mean, there's some teams that they might get more respect from the outset, but it's just, I mean, the nature of it. Um, but as we go to the final winner for me, um, and there's a lot of them this weekend, I'm going to go with a little bit of a homer pick, but I'm going to go with two teams from uh, the location that I now currently reside in, which is in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And, and the two Division I baseball teams in this area, um, at least in this direct area, Dallas Baptist and TCU, they pretty both ball are both pretty good ball clubs for sure. TCU ranked fifth in the country. Dallas Baptist, I think, soon to be ranked. Um, and they both won their series. However, they both had a battle. They both played in, I think, if you were being super harsh, you could perhaps call these teams, even though with a loser, uh, even though with a sweep, you could maybe call them losers. Now, in, in the <laughs> midweek sense, because yes, PCU had to come back every game and play a tightly contested game, at least in the first two, for sure. And at the end of the day, Florida Gulf Coast at least had a lead at some point in every game of the series. And then on the other hand, semo was neck and neck really with dbu it took a multiple comebacks it took a walk off but with all that being said i mean having the privilege to see dbu in person i mean they certainly have got grant jay who is a great (laughs) catcher um one of the best in the country he went seven to 14 this weekend with three home runs six rbis um and tcu i mean they've got great players all around the field i mean, peyton Tolly a guy who's your friday night starter and hit a ball a million miles surprising silver. by the way that he was yeah. listed as the friday guy well he's just a beast man i he think is. i i i said it in our preview that he's the second best two-way player in the country and i think i was shorting him he's i think <laughs> i think he's better two-way player than cag leone because i think he's a better arm um Ooh, and he's like just high. as good as a hitter i mean he's not as good as a hitter but he still has that pop. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he's definitely a top two, two way player in the country between Cags and him. But I almost give him the edge because he's a better pitcher. I mean, Cag can throw the hundreds for sure, but I don't know. I think that his ability to pitch and get strikeouts, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how the year progresses. But he is a guy to watch. And he's oh, great with sure. the bat. For sure. Uh, Silva, Byrne, Peyton yeah, at the top of that TCU line. Bone. I really like, yeah, I really like that team. And then I like DBU a lot. I mean, they threw a ton of freshmen this weekend. They had Their Sunday starter with 97, 98, hit, hit triple digits. And he had drafted in the 19th round from the Nationals last year. But nope, Dallas Baptist runs him out for a sunday start but again grant jay i'd be shocked if he wasn't a first few rounds next year um all, for all american last year as a freshman but i again long-winded but there's a lot of winners man and my winner is going to be the two teams from the dallas fort yeah. with metroplex and dallas baptist and tcu who both got sweeps despite having to grind it out a little bit
0: yeah that's fair um i'm going to kind of use your dbu winner to kind of tie in with my last winner which is a chalk one i kind of mentioned but The last winner is everybody who likes college baseball. we got college baseballs back. We have it all the way to late June. Uh, The way I've been describing it to some of my friends that don't say watch college baseball, it's kind of like, I would say, imagine like the first two days of uh, March Madness, but you get that every weekend. Wall-to-wall games from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. Obviously, you're not going to see them all, but that's kind of the beauty of it. And the thing that I really love about college baseball, and I think why it makes college baseball a little more unique, while you can get drafted from anywhere and find different players, I think college baseball specifically and uniquely schools like DBU is where you like you you should not be able to go to a school like DBU in terms of size and like national fame of a program or school I mean and be able to see a your son their Sunday starter hitting 97 you know that's not normal that's not like like you know um I'm trying to have a good school okay not to like trash Campbell basketball like you don't Campbell basketball isn't rolling out you know LeBron James or like these superstar nba prospects you know but it's cool that schools like dbu and eastern tennessee state a george mason all these different kinds of schools or a campbell you know zach Neto, first round pick can do all that kind of stuff and like it's not like it's not it never feels like an anomaly it's always every year there's always a real strong set of guys across the country that are playing for smaller schools that are not traditional power fives and they just crush and they can take it to the big time schools too i think that's the beauty of college baseball right there
1: yeah, it is. I mean, only guy I can think, I mean, there's some outliers, right? We yeah. bring up the
0: basketball example. Oh, John like, Rance one right there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but even it, that's, but, that, but that's an, anomaly Max, a- Max Amos. Amos Ace, yes. A- but here's my thing though. Um, Ace miss is sweet, but it's not like a, he's not going to go. He's not a lottery pick though. You know?
1: Right. No, that's a good point. We're, that is we're like a Ca- good point. Campbell
0: at Campbell has like, had like three first round caliber um players 2 years yep. ago they had Keeler, Harrington, and Neto all together.
1: Yeah. No, they did. They did for sure. I mean, they were all they all were really good players <laughs> and um no, that that is a great point. Something that you only see um in baseball which is great and it's keeping on that same breath um unless you have another winner to add. No, I'm all good. No. I'm all right. Well, as we transition to the other side of the coin and losers, with that same breath, uh, we talked about it a little earlier for a little bit, but my first loser is a team that went one and two in opening weekend, and you got to pick losers. You know you got to pick losers, and one of mine is oh, yeah. the Huskies of Northeastern. Going one and two, sure, but that you're not just a loser if you go one and two. The way they went one and two I think was rather disappointing to start a year because they're known to have one of the best staffs in the country – Year in and year out. That's why they're nationally known. A little bit different than Campbell. They've been kind of known for the offense. Don't get me wrong. They've had some first round arms, but they they the northeastern arms this weekend collectively really really struggled. I mean, um, at the end of the day, they they had an ERA north of seven and a half in opening weekend and. Um, they surrendered more hits than innings pitched. They walked a dozen guys. I mean, it was tough. It was tough to see for a team that had an ERA as a staff in the threes last year, um, just to see overall the weekend that they had at Arizona. Now, the game they ended up winning, eight to seven, they grinded it out, but the other two were rather not competitive. And now it feels like Northeastern has to continue to prove themselves because they don't get the benefit of the doubt. Now they do have some crucial series on their horizon before CAA play for sure. But that's definitely uh, one of my losers. I know it's
0: harsh, but that's just how it, it goes. It's fair. That's yeah, exactly. It's, st- it's a result and you can't be mad. You can only accept the result. You can't really be happy or mad about it. It is what it is. Um, overall, not like, kind of like to borrow from 11.7 i know one of the like four rules for college baseball is um don't get too high slash too low and that's why i would tell these northeastern fans arizona is still a good program i know they lost jay johnson like mac bingham is in there right now but i mean that's it should be, it's probably gonna be a good wake-up call for that team i'm sure like a lot of those kids on north northeastern like okay maybe our shit doesn't sink a little bit going into the season that might be a good wake-up call to retune and not take your team not take your opponent i guess
1: um, yeah, for granted. It-
0: which i don't know if they did or not in fairness but like I just it's a good thing like I don't not worry about northeastern's long term output for this year over this weekend
1: yeah, I'm not either, but you know, to go one and two when you get a preseason national ranking, yeah, and, and you disallow us to pick you for a small school draft that we True. haven't done <laughs> because you're ranked, and then your Sunday starter, a guy who just shoved all last year, goes an inning in the third on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just I mean that and Carball's good. Carball's a great arm, but he struggled. And I guess that's just the thing. Like they still lost. Uh, they still it didn't do horrible, but it, it ended up just st- – their starters didn't give them much, and I think that's why I give them in the L category, just because, Man. yeah, that should change, but we'll see. They, they take of, on the
0: Boston Red Sox this weekend, so we'll see how that goes. Exactly. Speaking of uh, your pitching not doing a whole lot, this one does hurt me because I do believe in this program, and I kind of already said that when we first started recording, but my first loser has to be George Mason. Because they did get get 20 plus ball twice over the weekend. And they uh, lost. They went 0-3 overall. They, I'll just read it off. Uh got blanked against Coast Carolina and also gave up 26 runs. Goes in Saturday, loses to Duke 23 to 5, and then loses to Indiana 9 3 on Sunday. Um way worse outlook in terms of this like that weekend than Northeastern, in my opinion. But to the George Mason fans. You have a good head coach. You had you have a good program. I think people expected a lot of this school and George Mason, I mean, to finish closer to the top, if not the top of the A ten. I think George Mason has the ability to do that. Um, so all three of those opponents that they played today, or over the weekend, I mean, uh are t- probably some of the best, some of the better teams they'll play all year. Cause they've got Purdue next weekend and they've got Cop- Coppin state as like a hopefully a good tune up for them today as we're recording this. So it's I'm not too worried about George Mason overall, but, like, I mean, when you get curb stomped like that over a weekend, I mean, you can't not put him there.
1: Yeah, no, just a rough start. That's just all it is. And um, it, it's it's interesting because that's kind of what A-10 teams have to do if they have aspirations, man. Yes. They've got to play people. And because collectively, there's some good talent and good teams. and And I don't think anybody else can explain that. Rather than the A-10 head coaches or the A-10 commissioner, or maybe some media members in the A-10, then those at the midweek podcast. I mean, we talked to Jason King. We talked to Sean Camp. Yeah. We've, we've been invested in talking to A-10 coaches and understanding, hey, no, we know what, there's talent in this league. It's yeah. just, you know, there's so much parity. Everybody beats up on each other. I mean, shoot, the year Davidson felt like they were dominant. It was like a prayer, you know, to be able to try to get into a tournament. We just can't unless – so I love that camp is doing that, getting it. And, obviously, they they were the representation of that conference last year, and they go down to the Winston-Salem Regional. It's a tough draw. So, speaking of tough draws, I think (laughs) as I go to my – Next loser, if you ever have to play Vanderbilt, it's a tough draw. And people are saying, what the heck? They went two and one. Well, why are they a loser for you? And you already talked about him. Why are you talking about him again? Well, here's why. Because if I told you about Vanderbilt baseball, Charlie, and I said, hey, they have opening weekend, and you go, okay, who are they playing? And I say, well, they're taking on a team who's pretty good, Florida Atlantic. How many runs do you think that they would outscore Florida Atlantic by in the opening weekend? You know, wouldn't you say like 12? Yeah. I mean, I would expect a lot. I would expect a lot for Vanderbilt for a team that if what they're ranked in the top 10, if they're not ranked in the top 10, there's a problem. You You know what I'm saying? Every single year, it almost feels like they get the opposite treatment of Campbell. They get the overrated, even when they're good, but they just get, I mean, they're overrated a lot because they're Vanderbilt and they've, uh, but, and like, they've got R.J. Austin. I like him and I just don't know their offense to me doesn't seem to be great. They hit 275 over the weekend over FAU pitching. That's going to be a lot more difficult when you, I mean, 275 ain't shabby, but against FAU pitching. What is that against SEC pitching? We could ask yeah. Robert Fry to do the math and carry the one. They outscored FAU by 10 runs over the weekend. They go two. Oh, I was one. close. I said 12. Yeah. I was guessing. <laughs> you get. I mean, yeah, the results are in. <laughs> it's uh, Fair, fair. But, but I mean, they outscore them by 10, 27 to 17. FAU has as many extra base hits as Vanderbilt has in this weekend. And I don't know, maybe I'm hating on FAU too much. Maybe you could maybe reel me back in here. But I just feel like if you're Vanderbilt and you're a top 10 team and and you're starting out the year, you should do better on opening night than allowing 11 runs to Florida Atlantic and winning by one and then dropping the next game by a run. Sure, you blew out Florida Atlantic to conclude the series 11 to one, but I mean, you play a run with them and you're number one and number two starters and you're Vanderbilt. You're, you're expected to do great things. To me, it was, uh, yeah, it's harsh, but for Tim Corbin and company, I mean, they've just, he, he's obviously the most successful coach right now. So yeah. they're going to get that treatment. I just don't see it though, fully with this lineup. I mean, they've got some talent, but I don't see it like I used to see it with Vanderbilt.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Watching the Friday win for them certainly did not feel like a real win for Vanderbilt. Oh, they had to win on like a bloop left field hit to win it that game in a walk off. Um, I see what you're saying. I I kind of agree in the sense like one. I'll say this. I I always expect Vanderbilt to be in the top twenty five. I always really expect him to be in the mix because Tim Corbin just knows how to get the most out of his guys. But at the same time, I would agree with you in, on the sense that this is does not feel like a. Um, a classic Vanderbilt team, you know, like, the, the, like those iconic Vandy boys squads, which is fine. Yeah. Like you can't have that every year. I understand that. If um, it use a solid program, like, you know, if you can produce players like Nolan, Schnell, you're probably doing at least one thing, right? Like, yeah. At the end of the day. Um, but no, I think it's a pro. I, I like that you picked them as a loser because typically we do kind of just go, Oh, this team got shellacked over the weekend versus like this team kind of like, while they did, you know, win the series. It wasn't exactly like the most convincing fashion overall. And I think it's a fair criticism. And the thing is, since we're giving all them all this praise. That's part of like what ha- comes with it when you become an iconic program like Vanderbilt. It's like it's for a perfect example if Nick Saban loses two games in Alabama, that's a disaster of a season, you know. So, like, the pressures the pressure is turned up to a different degree when you're when you're like Tim Corbin, and like it's yes, just kind of it, especially in the that's SEC. Exactly.
1: I mean, Corbin is akin to a Saban, akin to a Coach K. Yes. I mean, that's just kind of the figure he's he in is that category. category, and I will say. Vanderbilt has an opportunity to be great this season. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But they I don't think it's gonna be because they're knocking the ball around the yard all that often. And no.
0: they kind of going best, in.
1: Yeah, and they lose their best player in Enrique Bradfield Jr. from last yeah. year. You know what I'm saying? So but Devin Futrell, Bryce Cunningham, and Grayson Carter, they've got talent in their yes. rotation. Do um, Grayson Carter Grayson Carter
0: can rain it it in. Oh boy, he's gonna be nasty. Yeah,
1: and then Bryce is great. Um, Yeah, Grayson struggled. He's a big reason why they're a loser for me. Oh, absolutely. Um, He he walked seven guys in three innings, and he he struggled mightily. And then Devin, obviously their ace, they're gonna be competitive every Friday night, and even in the SEC. But just a little bit of a, you know, should we have him ranked this high? Question
0: mark for me. So that's I think that's a fair criticism. Um. I don't know if I would say this would be if I was going to transition to saying speaking of a similar team, but I think it's a little I think that there needs to be a little more nuanced to the discussion. So I'll start off. Florida's my second loser. Because they did lose to St. John's and technically, like air quotes to people not seeing the video, lost the series. But part of the loss, and part of the reason they're a loser in my mind, is because the second the last two games got canceled, so we didn't get to see them play. So they did lose to St. John's. So hats up to St. John's for that. It is one game. I do think Well, they did. I know they did drop in the rankings. I forgot how. I don't think it was very low. They deservedly should drop in rankings a little bit. But I was just excited to see what Florida had to offer this year, and I just didn't get a chance to really catch it a whole lot. So that's why they're kind of on the loser board for me. But similar kind of situation with the Tim Corbin Vanderbilt thing. It's like you watch the game, and it's like Kevin O'Sullivan has turned Florida into that same kind of pedigree of a program where okay, we'll say Tim Corbin's Nick Saban, then Kevin O'Sullivan's Kirby Smart. You know, so. Different expectations, especially when you have the pre like the preseason Golden Spikes winner, Jack Caglione. You expect a team like Florida to go in and absolutely curb stop a team like St. John's.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, 100%. I mean, there's nothing else you can say. Now, speaking of the rankings, through games on February 18th, D1Baseball.com Top 25 on NCAA site has Wake 1, Arkansas two, LSU three, and Florida now four. They previously were two, TCU five, and then Vanderbilt stayed at six. Just okay. to give us a perspective, Oregon State seven. But I don't, have, um, I, don't, I don't have
0: a real qualm with that. I feel like a first no, first reaction. I don't
1: I have a qualm. I don't know why they wouldn't drop Vanderbilt for with a loss. Um, from six, six just seems... Uh, maybe I just have a thing with them. Six seems man. Yeah, they used to man. it this year, Will. I, but I'm not a hater. I'm just saying no. six, man, over Oregon State. I mean, I don't know. Duke didn't get moved up after their sweep. I mean, Fair. I know. You don't want to move people up too much. And obviously... Of all the teams in the top 15, only NC State, Tennessee, Vanderbilt or Florida or Arkansas lost one game and they all only lost one. So I know there's not going to be a ton of movement and I don't really, doesn't matter, doesn't matter what happens. I mean, at the end of the day, um, we'll continue to cover it. But speaking of covering teams and speaking of teams who got absolutely shellacked. Now, this is an interesting thing, Charlie. Youngstown State. They played Texas State. They got swept. They're a team that won 13 ball games in conference play last year. And when I tell you they were. Will, bad. Before,
0: before, I know. Before you say that, I'm going to let you finish. I just read the, the note you have on here about the their at bats. I'm, I'm just going to let you talk about that as jaw dropping.
1: Yeah. Well, um, they went over the weekend and only had nine hits. That yeah. was a tough day at the office. Yikes they hit 111 as a team on opening weekend versus rusty pitching of and they go 9 of 81 at the plate as a team 111 oh my god Youngstown state they are a loser for me now to put it in any type of perspective they weren't they're not they haven't been a great program like i mentioned they were 3 games under 500 within the horizon league i believe last year but I mean, at the end of the day, it's a it's a tough day at the office for sure for the Youngstown State Penguins baseball program, I believe out of Youngstown, Ohio. Correct. Correct. And um yeah, they 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 come down and they say, Hey, we're gonna take on Texas State. They travel down to San Marcos and they lose 20 to 2, 6 to 1 to 1. So all in all, they struggle to score runs. They struggled at the plate mightily and they got outscored 37 to four in their first three games.
0: So they got lack for sure. Yeah, that's tough. May not be a great program, but hell of a mascot with the Penguins also Youngstown Ohio is home to Mar- Maurice Claret and uh, Jim Trestle back for all you college football fans out there. A little fun fact, decent 30 for 30 documentary too, as well, the Youngstown boys. Um, so my last loser, Will, as we continue with this, is a classic uh, Charlie having gripes with programming and things like that. So first one, Flow Sports. You know how I feel about you. You know how much I hate you. The worst part is, Will, I'm going to probably have to pay the 30 bucks a month to watch Campbell and the CA this year because the CA has an exclusive like, streaming thing with, with Flow Sports. So I I'm probably end up bending the knee to the enemy, which is a real bummer. But another real bummer too is in a sport that's not supposed to have ties. Why are they calling a tie? I get, I get that like the student athletes and they have to go to places, right? But Long Beach State, Washington, son on Sunday went to the 17th inning. I tuned in in like the 10th because I was like watching other games before that. I sat through the whole time, and then at the end of it, it was kind of ex- for the most part fairly exciting. Like extra innings, there were some runs scored, some hits. Oh, so what's going to happen? But then they just call it. They just call it as a tie, so they just have a tie on the record. I'm like, it's not – I understand that the student-athletes need to get them back to class or whatever the actual reasoning is overall, but I just can't fathom that the extra, like I guess, hour or so you're saving by calling the game off is really going to impact the athletes a whole lot. And I feel like a lot of those kids would rather see a result in the column that's not tied. They'd rather see a W or an L instead of a T.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's – just I don't know. So you were watching the game.
0: Yeah, imagine paying money to go to watch Long Beach State play baseball that day. You you were watching the
1: broadcast? Yeah. Was it ESPN plus? Yeah, I think so. What were the announcers saying? They just said it's it's over. There's
0: yeah, I didn't explain it. I was like, oh, man, there's curfew call. Oh, great. Thanks, thanks, guys. So
1: is there a protocol in place, like if it gets to a certain time or what? Sh- I,
0: I do not know. I should have looked that up, actually, because I could have cooked on this, I guess. But um, I don't know that off yeah. the top of my head. We'll have to news. get
1: back to cooking, but I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you that it's a Just, loser for everybody involved. I yeah. mean, <laughs> everybody involved, people who took their time to watch the game, people who yeah. came to the game, the players, the coaches. Um,
0: it's, man. it's the same as like, you're like, you're at work, right? It's like 3 p.m. Oh, I cannot wait to have my leftovers that I saved for yesterday, right? I can't wait to like get home or for lunch, even to eat it. And you you get there and you realize your roommate or your sister or somebody ate your lunch. It's like, oh my God, this sucks. It's like you wasted all that time and excitement for literally no payoff. It's
1: funny. That is funny. I mean, man, you don't, I know when people mess with my leftovers, it's over. Okay. It is over with <laughs> But um, final loser for me, anybody that had to face the Texas A&M staff, um, they had a 0.03, 0.36 ERA as a staff. Obviously, um, they got a great sweep. They play a team, and I always struggle. McNeese State,
0: yep. is that how you say
1: it? McNeese. Yeah, they won 35 ball games last year. I mean, they got to their conference tournament final two yeah. years ago. And a 0. .36 ERA for Texas A&M. Lampkin's a dog. They're going to be good. But speaking of good people, I want you to start on weekend rotation because I love who you got going for William.
0: Or Nathan, <laughs> because that's your real name. I guess your middle, your middle, your middle name is William. So that still works too, I guess. But, um, I mean, probably the... Yeah, Um, depends if you ask the biggest transfer from over the summer in Chase Burns, Wake Forest. That's what we're talking about today. He, I, as, as someone who watched the game, he looked incredible. He was lights out, six innings pitched, 10Ks, no runs, in his first outing for Wake. Uh, things that I noticed, control looked a lot better. Fastball, as always, carrying the Velo deep into the game. Didn't really see a ton of a drop-off overall from inning one to inning six. Slider looked nasty. Everything he threw looked like he had confidence in it. It looked like every pitch he had, he wasn't doubting himself. The control was there. Chase Burns might like – like, Chase Burns, come. Um, Wake Forest might have two of the three finalists for Pitcher of the Year, and Burns and Josh Hart. That's how much I loved how Chase Burns went over over the weekend. And then a fun fact, I believe it was from Joe Doyle over uh, on Twitter. Uh, Burns' fastball, I know it's only one game, but it's still fun to look, think about. Burns' fastball alone had a 52% whiff rate in his outing. So that kind of gives you an idea of the stuff he's throwing out there. And it's like, Chase Burns is going to be a problem the whole year, so good luck to all the ACC hitters out there.
1: Yeah, they are a problem as a team, um, and it was crazy to me. I kind of got chills. I honestly did. I mean, you talk about all the bats that they have, and Nick Kurtz, and I. I we're excited to see how Seaver King does. And, you know, they've got a ton. They've got a ton, and it's all going to figure itself out there. But when Corey Mascara told us on the pod – yeah, we were top heavy last year with Rhett Louder yeah. for sure, and then obviously you know Hardell was great, but we're gonna be much deeper this year. We were was not lying, dude. Deep, and man, Chase Burns, dude, he alone has probably the. the Second or first best fastball alone in the country. Maybe Brody Brecht is the only other one in terms of pure stuff. Michael Massey, Josh Hardle. These guys are just absolute dogs. Best rotation in the country for a second consecutive year. And it's because Corey Mascara, man. Chase Burns, man, he gets moved to the bullpen last year after he was a stud as a freshman at Tennessee comes to wake and what does he do first start t- 10k six innings and that's why the transfer portal favorable to it. it's got kick going oh gosh, from yeah. the sec to the acc right away making an impact and it just shows i mean he wants uh corey even mentioned he loves working with him it wasn't just yeah. oh he wanted to transfer to be a starter i'm sure he did but it was i want to get better too in hell you like you said that was one thing that probably moved him to the pen last year was the location but Ten Ks, one walk, and six innings, no runs. You'll take it, won't you,
0: dude? He's gonna be a problem, dude. (laughs) Yeah, he will. Wild. Chase Burns is he's appointment TV in the college baseball. Like I will, if I can, I will make it a point to watch almost every single one of the starts this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's going to try to have um an a member a memorable year, kind of like Rhett Lauder last year. I mean unreal what he did a season ago just that entire team I mean that was an unforgettable year yeah and they're trying to replicate that and Chase Burns kind of has a little bit of that schemes feel when he takes the mound it's showtime shivers down Um, the spot yeah so and and when you talk about guys they had last year and Sullivan and louder it feels like they've just reloaded all right Burns Hartle Massey we don't care so that is fun. My weekend rotation starts with a team that went 3-0. It's going to actually turn to the bat, a team that nearly scored 20 runs in two separate games this weekend, Ryland West. I'll introduce you to a kid from Tampa, Florida. He's 6'4". He weighs 242 pounds. He actually boy. played at South Florida State College before transferring to FIU. He hit 4'11 at South Florida State. What does he do in his first weekend at the next level here at FIU? Well, he does quite a bit. um, And that's why I am excited to see what he's going to do. And yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. FIU team that went eight and 22 in conference play last year, but I am going to spend a good amount of time on Brylin West who went 10 for 12 with eight runs scored, two homers, nine RBIs, got 19 total bases on the weekend, walked more times than he's struck out 10 for 12. And he's had five extra base hits. Half of his hits going for extra base. I mean, talk about hitting four 11 last year, the kid from Tampa, Florida did, did work did work and uh south florida state college now to fiu he is uh, continuing to do work there's no question about that
0: yeah it's off to brian that's it that's a great it's a great way to start the year (laughs) they're done for 12 is crazy uh my number two though will uh you mentioned brody breck a little bit earlier i'm not here to talk about brody breck i'm here to talk about the guy who's behind brody breck and that is marcus morgan i sent out a tweet earlier this week saying marcus morgan truth is unite because he is a good ball player i believe he's a good ball player and he kind of showed it once again over the weekend against Ball State, a decent baseball program in their own right. He went five and two thirds, two hits, nine Ks, two walks, no runs. Um, it doesn't sound weird. I like. I think Marcus Morgan's a dog. So if Brody Brett can keep, if Brody can pitch into the fifth inning and keep the walks down, uh, I think Iowa's not that far behind Wake Forest in terms of the top one two punches in the country. Marcus Morgan is legit. He's gonna. I think he's gonna absolutely run over most of the Big Ten this year. Especially once once conference play gets started, but like if this is if this is a preview to what we're going to see this year, I'm very encouraged and very excited to see. I think he's a junior now. I think he's a true junior, so junior year version of Marcus Morgan, because he was a very yeah. very highly touted arm coming into Iowa in the first place. And it's oh, it's always fun to see these guys who I remember like reading about when we first started this podcast to now seeing them become absolute dogs on their teams.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why Iowa was team who is ranked right to start yeah. the year and ranked what 18th right now and um, i think
0: they're like 20 something when they before start the season started
1: here they yeah. go to and one move them up but yeah i mean and then brody brody has 60 percent whiff rate on his fast i mean this stuff and <laughs> uh he did this past weekend so crazy brody Uh, He went four and a third with 11 K's Yeah, 11 K. And then obviously, I mean, I like you talk about Marcus, like it isn't just, oh, we need to watch Iowa because they have one guy that can hit one oh three and he's going to get drafted pretty high. No, they've got a team and and, and they've got a rotation. Like you said, Morgan, a part of that as well. I'm excited to see how they do. Um, I'm excited because another Big Ten team to get excited about is always a good thing, right? We've been Absolutely, trying to yeah. get excited more about them, and uh, they have some teams to get excited about for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'll have to go. I'll have to drive I'll have to, drive to uh, Iowa City and catch a, a weekend of Iowa baseball one of these weeks.
1: Yeah, you will. And one of who I want to catch probably it will have to be on a stream, but it'll be a kid named Cam Leiter. Five Dog. innings. 13 K's only allowed one hit for Florida State, who's looking for a big bounce back year. And you might recognize the last name. He's cousins with Jack and, and Cam Leiter, man. He lit it up this past weekend. A kid who transferred in to a new Florida, a new area, first start. What's it going to look like? And he shoved. He absolutely shoved. So, I'm I'm excited because he struck out the world this past weekend and he he's a kid who grew up in New Jersey, went to UCF and then was a unanimous all AAC all freshman team selection in 2023 transfers to the ACC and starts the year with an unbelievable performance and obviously it's in his blood al and mark are his uncles they combined for 30 seasons in the major leagues together obviously mark juniors with the cubs but man he shoved five innings 13 k's one hit no runs and uh getting a baker's dozen in k's cam lighter's a dog and florida state needs it man they had a badly year last year for their standards and obviously hearts are heavy around that program for oh, sure gosh. right now but uh, i'm looking forward to continuing to watch cam lighter there's no question about that
0: oh my god if this is a pre like i said kind of said with all of these people so far if this is a preview for what's to come i mean cam lighter is going to be an absolute This gonna be one of, that's gonna be one of the that's gonna be a probably best return on investment in terms of transfers if you can get that out of cam lighter for uh, yeah. fsu and that's a good that's a, if he can do that, I'm not. I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not suggesting that someone put the weight on weight of this on Cam's shoulders. But like, these are the kind of guys when you're a coach like Link Jarrett when you're trying to like take the pro a program that was great back to being great. Like with FSU, uh, these are the kind of guys you need to kind of put your team back onto the national map in terms of like true dominance and what a pristine program looks like that Mike Martin, R.I.P., had created down there at Tallahassee. And, um, but we're going to talk about too, Will, a prestigious university with a prestigious arm and a team we were, you and I both had in our winners, and that was due. And the guy, the kid I'm talking about, Jonathan Santucci, one of the, I'd say probably one of the more hyped arms coming into this year in terms of people were excited about what he was going to do and just to watch him in general. I I think, I certainly think he delivered over the weekend against Indiana. He went five innings, four hits, no runs, two walks, and seven Ks. Uh, Vila looked firm. The off speed was sharp, uh, the control was there. Santinchi, like we know, he's a competitor. We know he's a bulldog. He's been there. Now. he's a junior. Now he was a part of the Alex Mooney class with Devin Obi and those guys. So it's exciting to see him building. It's like like kind of with Marcus Morgan and then Chase Burns too. It's fun seeing all these guys who we knew were very hyped up prospects coming into college a couple years back and seeing them become the actual stars of college that they are today. And I think Santinchi's on that way and is certainly going to be in that conversation for pitcher of the year. Once again, I think he's going to be right. Up. I think Burns will be is the better pitcher. It probably the closer win, but I, I think Santucci will be in that conversation all year long.
1: Yeah, no, he will. No, those are great. That's a great weekend rotation. Should we get into our picks now? I'm down. Let's do it. Okay. Big, big series happening this weekend. It's Good a ones. huge number two, huge number two weekend in college baseball at the division one level. And we're going to start with East Carolina, north carolina 23rd 24th 25th friday saturday sunday in chapel hill then fayetteville and then greenville that so that's one thing you have to recognize with this series each day it's played at a different location nonetheless this is an absolute battle number 11 ranked east carolina number 15th ranked north carolina and, Charlie, I'll start. We can go back and forth with who's going to start in these picks. I'm going to pick North Carolina. They come off a big series win. I can't even say that. They sweep Wagner. I was going to say, what? <laughs> uh,
0: gargantuan. It, it was
1: big for them. They scored double-digit runs in every single game yeah. with with getting zero production from Vance Honeycutt, which is maybe a little bit concerning because you think he should match yeah, Wagner. against yeah. Wagner. Wagner pitching. I mean, best freshman we've ever seen in the world a couple of years ago. Struggles last year. Struggles to start this year. What's going to happen? I mean, I everyone's expecting a bounce-back year. Everyone's expecting him to be such a high draft pick. I mean, who knows? But, obviously, they have a yeah. good lineup. Alberto Ozuna's a good player. Um, Vance Honeycutt has a proven
0: talent. He just – we'll see it. And um, I'm going to pick North Carolina. I'm going to go East Carolina. Um, will, Who – Rami, where are they – what stadium are they playing in on Friday?
1: Stadium? They're playing. Or like, or like, are they? are playing, playing who's, in who's, Chapel Hill. Chapel Hill.
0: Okay, so I think that's actually an advantage to ECU because I believe that much in Trey You Savage that I think UNC is going to, especially if Honeycutt's not really producing. You Savage, I think, can really mess up that lineup and to steal that game away from home, and then Carolina, North Carolina, then having to come back at some point to play in the jungle at ECU. I think they'll have a hard time beating ECU at home, like at ECU's home, I should say. So I do think ECU can steal that first home game. And then uh, the neutral one's probably a little more up in the air because UNC is a good program as well. But I think I believe more in more ECU for this one. I'm with you. I'm not on the pick, but I'm just no. with what you're saying. <laughs> um, here's
1: here might be my favorite series, and it's already a team that I really like, Charlie. You can start us off here, but how about another? I mean, you always get ECU unc it's just always a thing that you yeah. get and it's great to have but you don't always get what we're about to tell you about and that's the Horn frogs hosting ucla yeah. for three games in fort worth texas coming up this weekend now tell me who you got
0: in this one i've got tcu um well they did have way too close to games with fgcu they still won the games so i'll give them that credit they came back and i think the fight the fight they showed was impressive along with the talent they already have like you mentioned peyton chatney was really impressive over the weekend i also just simply think tcu is the better ball club and it helps that they're at home so i think those are just kind of chalk reasons to to why i think tcu will win i think UCLA is a good team but i just i not know i think tcu is one of those squads Yep, I think they are one of those squads. They are a team with Anthony Silva, who
1: I like a lot. And I've mentioned it before, but Chase Brunson swung the bat well. Anthony Silva, Peyton Chatagnier, uh Carson Bowen, Peyton Toley. I mean, shoot, Curtis Byrne even got some ribbies over the weekend for yeah. him. I mean, he struggled overall, but he got, he got some crucial ribbies. And I'm excited to see because – I think they need a better effort from Peyton Tolley yeah, on the mound. because no. yeah, I was salivating over his hitting abilities. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, hitting. But
1: his ability on the mound is certainly there too. You know, but he had yeah. seven K's and allowed four earned, you know, a Jack Caglione-esque weekend where you you sh- you shine with your stuff. And yeah. then talk a little bit more with your bat, and he certainly did. Had a massive home run for them, but I'm going with the Horn Frogs. I mean, I'm yeah. all for the Horn Frog. I will probably catch a game in this series, um, as you should. With with uh, certainty, I think I might be. I might be able to. I don't know. I'm going to be at TCU Saturday, but I'm going to be at a basketball games, but. I might try to finagle my way around. Probably not going to work. But I'm definitely going to be checking out a lot of Hornfrog games this year. We'll be both picked TCU. Let's move on. How about number seven, Oregon State, and number three, Arkansas, playing this weekend? Now, this is just a pick them because they're playing in one single game in this weekend. But it's such a big game, Charlie, that we decided to line them up in what is going to be such a fantastic single matchup between these two teams. Man, I'm being put on the spot because it's not a series pick. I'm going to go with Arkansas, Um, and I love Oregon State so much, but this is a test on a Friday night against Arkansas because you're probably going to get Aiden May from Oregon State, who's going to pitch in that game. And then for the Razorbacks, you're going to get a boatload, a boatload of things, and it's going to be tough uh, to see who they would run out there. Now, the interesting thing about it is that is their first game. It's the second for Oregon State. But since Oregon State is playing on a Wednesday, I kind of rule out the fact that they might throw their quote-unquote midweek guy. And and Arkansas played four games in opening weekend. So with all that being said – I am going to go with Arkansas, Charlie. Who do you have? Again, like I mentioned, it's probably going to be May versus Hagen Smith, and Hagen Smith yeah. only win an inning last time, so um, it is kind of a bold take. But I think he's going to bounce back.
0: Yeah. Well, as one of the original fans, or I'm not going to say I'm the president because I'm not, an, I'm not like an Arkansas like Razorback diehard. As someone who was a champion of the Hagen Smith Truthers Club back when he was a freshman. I don't think last week was the true like, version of Hagen-Smith. will see. Certainly not. I could look that he kind of was at- uh, atrocious against John James Madison of all schools, but he is one of the reasons why I'm picking Arkansas over Oregon state for this game. Cause I'm assuming he's throwing on that Friday. That's just, obviously I don't know that ahead of time, but like I'm yeah, going to, yeah. I figure he will. And then the other one kind of was, cause I do think this game can go both ways for sure. The other one was simply more of competitive between you and me. Will, where I figure like, Will's probably going to choose Oregon state. So I'll go Arkansas for this one. I'll, all is faded, and see if it works.
1: Um. All right, I'm choosing Oregon State, and then we'll just switch yeah. it. Um. No, like I'm ch- I'm not choosing Arkansas. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, you don't have Arkansas on there.
1: I know, but I said Arkansas. On oh, you pick. did. Oh, I totally misheard you. Then my bad. I'm tweaking. Okay. So I everything I said flush it. Okay. I'm I'm fading myself and going to Oregon State because I think that'll be a better tactic. Okay. Because I do like Oregon State and I kind of talk myself out. Hey, Hagen Smith might struggle again. Screw it. Okay. What so I've got UNC TCU Oregon State. UF ECU TCU and Arkansas. 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 Charlotte, West Virginia. I've got Charlotte at home. They're a good program. They're going to be West Virginia, Blaine Traxel and Gang. I don't
0: know. Yeah, I think Charlotte will bounce ba- I think Charlotte bounced back after a rough weekend. I think the other thing to keep in mind is it, I think Charlotte's odds look even better if JJ Weatherholt doesn't play. Potentially an right. overall pick this year. So that's kind of my yeah. reasoning with Charlotte, and they're at home. Yeah, and my reasoning is,
1: yeah, West Virginia is great, but the JJ news, that is something to watch, and they don't have a dog like they had in Traxel anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't have a guy that can throw a million innings for yeah. you. And um, I know that's a guy that graduates, and every team has guys who graduate, but I just yeah. like Charlotte. I just like Charlotte. Um Their vibe. And like you mentioned about JJ, how about most State Southern Miss? Um, give me I mean, most Mo state. So- give okay, most state. Give I'm a Mo little state? homer
0: there. I've always liked most state, but I think they're a better squad that people will give them credit for. They looked good over the weekend. Jelani Rogers, I think he's a center fielder. He looked pretty good over the weekend, so I'm encouraged to see what they have in store for a pretty good Southern Miss team.
1: Yeah, Southern Miss really good. Um, they've always been great. They've a great program. They're a regional team year in and year out. But they did drop a game against Marist this weekend. Yeah. Um, and I think they'll bounce back against Missouri State. So I'm picking them over the Bears. There you go.
0: So I've got yeah. ECU, TCU, Arkansas, Charlotte, Mo State. Will you have UNC, TCU, Oregon State, Charlotte, Southern Miss?
1: That's correct. There we go. Good separators right there. We do. And so we will uh, keep track and see who's better. Indeed. Uh, But we thank you guys for listening on the Midweek Podcast here today. Um, We'll talk to you next time. So looking forward to it. Glad to be uh, back. Yeah, glad to be back. Week number two uh, recap coming soon. So we'll talk to you again. We'll talk to you then. Victory is mine, yeah, surprisingly I've been laying, waiting for your next mistake I put-